everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes three and four of Love in Contract. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I need my notes for this one. Like, I have a couple things that my brain wants to say that I'm feeling, but mostly it's just... I think you said it just before we started. This show is just, you get what you get. And we don't really have too much commentary on that. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like there, reasonably, there are things that I am looking forward to talking about. It's just not a bunch, you know? It's just not, I don't know how much it's going to maybe um, last us 45 minutes. <laughs> That's fair. I I have two things. I have two things that I'm nitpicking. I wish they were two things that I was like, I'm super stoked about these. But, you know, all of it's good. All of it's fun. Yeah. So I only remember the two things that I was like, what? What's going on with it? Okay, one is... One left my brain. One is... The other one is... <laughs> Oh, okay. I remember the first one. It's so much more important than the second one. I'll say both okay. of them right now, and then we can go through them one at a time, because I know I'll forget if we just start talking about one. I yeah. literally already did. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm afraid you're going to forget them both before you can say them. Before <laughs> you actually say them. Ooh. Okay. First one, I didn't like that she almost got murdered, and she didn't seem to care about it, except... Later in a scene, it was, like, kind of brought up where she was like, ooh, I got a little bit of PTSD there. But for the most part, she was like, that's fine. And then the second thing, I hate that she got her mom out of jail. And she was just like, I knew that was the way to show her what was up, is to use all of my money and sell every possession to get her out of jail. And I was like, okay, those two things, neither of those make sense to me. How, how mm. are you feeling? Um... On point one, yeah, I I think there was a part of me that was really, really bothered by her reaction of, and it wasn't until kind of later in the episode, but she said something along the lines of, oh, I'm just not fussy about when she was almost killed, like someone <laughs> attacked her and tried to murder her. And she was just like, oh, yeah, but it would be dramatic to be worried about murder attempts. And I'm <laughs> I'm out here thinking that maybe that's one of the few things that you maybe can't be overly dramatic about them. <laughs> yeah, right? Even, oh, because this is, a, I guess, a, a third smaller thing. But when Homeboy was explaining to her, like, here's the psychology behind murderers, and here's what you might be experiencing, and she got all, she got all fussy there. She was mm -hmm. really mad about, like, you think I deserve to die? And I was like, um, he did not say that at all. You're way more mad at him than you were at the murderer for trying to murder you. Yeah, which is buckwild, because I agree that he didn't maybe present it. The way he presented it did come out in a way that could imply that he was victim-blaming. He maybe wasn't delicate enough to really emphasize that it is the psychology that he's discussing and not the actual reason it happened, uh, which is really important to differentiate between the psychology of the person who tried to murder you is that you 
deserve it. That they can control you, that they can, uh, that if they can't control you, then it's better to have you dead. And it is a risk in the industry you're working in where you give them some amount of control, but it's contracted control and they, they get their emotions wrapped up in it kind of deal. Mm. But the way it came off is, to her, and I can kind of see where she was coming, but also, like you said, he never at any point said, you deserve this. He said, they're thinking you deserve this. But yeah, it, it came off as, oh, I shouldn't be able to work and do what I want to do. And it is it is bullshit. She should be able to do this and be safe. But unfortunately, uh, there isn't maybe like an HR for what she does. Mm. Uh, Not that HR is always that helpful anyway. (laughs) Um, But there isn't maybe, you know, solid, like there's contracts. That's the whole thing is that she has these contracts, but there's not maybe like a, you know, like a Title IX or maybe like repercussions of the breach of contract that, you know, she could take someone to court over or would take someone to court over or whatever the case may be or has historically. Like, it doesn't seem like when people have pushed it, she she usually just ends it and is able to, you know, kind of get out versus having to, you know, take legal repercussions or have some kind of some kind of safe work environment and something to enforce it. And I think it's something that people who work in the sex work field face a lot, um, especially with it being illegal where they have nowhere they can turn, uh, that they can, you know, if, if, if things break bad, there's no safety. There's no, you can't then go to the cops and be like, hey, there was a murder attempt. But she's not really in that situation. I've kind of lost the plot. At this point, I'm just rambling. I think, yeah, I'm right there with you. Because especially the show has that juxtaposition where the actor has dealt with stalkers and has been, like, that line has been crossed for him multiple times. But he's had so many resources for where he could go and say, hey, something dangerous is going on, I'm not feeling safe. And his manager immediately comes over, and then the CEO gets involved, and the police get involved, and media get involved, and it's like, it's way too much on his end, but he has a huge safety net versus, yeah, her being like, I don't have anyone to turn to. I don't even have, like, friends or family that I can really talk to when things start to get dangerous for me. But yeah, it was still... It's fair. I think you've made a good point. That it was still frustrating having her be like... Because she walks out of the actor's apartment and says, wow, I guess I have another reason to leave Korea. And you know it's in reference to him finding out or knowing that she's Jamie and knowing her past and... Mm-hmm. them sharing that secret together and i was like oh i think maybe after the murder attempt that would have been reason number two but i i guess that's not on the list good for you for being like i'm not leaving i'll leave after i find the murderer <laughs> i don't know it felt weird it, it it was super super weird as far as um yeah there's just 
She's so unbothered by it. And then, yeah, I, I guess I just don't follow her logic with a lot of things of also her <laughs> needing to bail her mom out. And I I will be the first person to admit that I don't fully understand the crime. That w- I don't fully understand how it all shook out. Like, it, there was a whole section where... Jiho explains it to us. He breaks it down. He lays it out. And I do not know exactly how she ended up in the... I don't know who double-crossed whom. I don't know who's in control here. I don't know if it was always the intention. I don't know if we're supposed to know if it was always the intention or if it was just a byproduct of a deal gone bad. There were so many points that we were watching the deal happening that I, I didn't know what was happening also at those points in time. Oh, no. And I didn't, I, so I, I'm just a child here playing in, I don't know, K-drama corporate world. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I get it. I can try and explain it. Okay. Weird. All right, Jiho, let's do this. <laughs> We've got... Kang Jin, I think, is the name of the group, the conglomerate. They wanted to build a shopping mall on protected lands on this place called the Greenbelt, which I assume Greenbelt is just verbiage for protected lands. They're like grasslands that are owned mm-hmm. by the government. They're protected. It's a reserve. And Kang Jin is like, we will probably get that lifted through like back channels any day now so we're gonna forget about that we're gonna go ahead and bring in this world famous architect john brown to to get him to agree to design the shopping mall that's gonna go on that protected land so they bring tiffany in because nobody can talk to john brown he's like super reclusive he's very picky with who he talks to So they bring in Tiffany to go talk to him because she has a past relationship. And they're like, we'll give you 15 million billion, uh, 15 billion won to get him to sign a contract with us. And she does. And I think she only gets half of it as the down payment. And she gets that all in cash. That's the cash we see in her purse because she's like, oh, They don't want to leave a paper trail, so she starts suspecting that something iffy is going on. But I think she knew that they were building on protected lands. She was like, um, like, what we're doing right now is illegal, trying to trick John Brown into signing this contract that is for a building he could never build. Um... So they're like, we'll just pay you in cash and you just keep your mouth shut and it's all good. There's no trail to any of this. And then like the government got involved, which might have been John Brown's secret meeting with that other person. I think he might have done that. But the government got involved and was like, apparently there's this contract to build on protected lands. You're not allowed to do that. This is all going to hell. And Kang Jin was like, we had nothing to do with this. Tiffany Yu was the mastermind. She tricked John Brown. She tricked us. She took all this money and is going to run with it, we assume. So she goes to jail. Everyone else walks, I think is what's happening. Okay, so it wasn't like 
always the plan to take her down. She was just kind of a pawn, and she's not as smart as she thinks she is, and played right into the whole deal. I think so, because I think at one point, when she is in prison talking to her daughter, she was like, I wanted to trick John Brown like he tricked me back in the day, and it just kind of backfired. And Mm. the mom of Kang Jin Group... Uh, older brother, she was like, oh, he's on one right now, and his plans always fail when he's on one. So I think that was part of it, just to be like, he's got this big, crazy plan, and it always falls apart, and then it did. Which, I don't know, I feel like they could have made that a few episodes, and it might have been more clear what was going on, but they were like, we do not care about this storyline. Um, we're done with this. It was like half an episode where they tried to make that whole plot clear. So I don't even know if I'm getting it right, but I completely understand that you're like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's, it feels very convoluted and I wasn't sure if I was even supposed to know. That's how lost I was inside of that, where I was like, maybe it's a big thing that they're unraveling, like you said, over a couple of episodes or something. Um... I do feel more caught up to speed. It's interesting. Maybe part of my confusion is that I'm used to K-drama villains, like the bad guys, the people we're not rooting for, having much more of an agenda and being much more capable. And so the fact that it was just a bunch of people kind of trying to fuck each other over and not doing a good job, its it's blowing my mind. That's fair. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's my interpretation of what happened, which maybe some one of our listeners will be like, no, you explained it so poorly, they're all really smart, and it was a really, really cool, intricate plot that they just didn't explain very well. But, uh, yeah, my understanding is that it's a lot of people who thought they were gonna, gonna do something real smart, real tricksy, and they did a really bad job and it immediately fell apart, which, why... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because I genuinely forgot all about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I am glad that I brought it up so that I could learn the potential actual storyline. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I guess wrapping back t- around to what got us started on it, I. Uh, there's a part of me that is just still not invested in Yumiho enough, uh, Tiffany enough to want Song Eun to have ever gotten involved. I don't know. There's just a part of me that maybe it's because he's my favorite character, but it, there's a part of me that just feels like the real victim here is Guangnam because he blew up his family and was ready to leave the country and got told that he needs to unpack and stick around And it wasn't even a scene. He didn't even get the time of day where his roommate was like, I have the most crushing news ever. Do you want to sit down for this? She's like breezing out the door and she's like, unpack those bags. We're all sad about this. And he's like, (laughs) what? And she's like, "We're, we're not going. We're all sad about it. Unpack. It's so weird. I feel like... This drama does such a weird job of not dwelling on emotions, where I feel it's an art, right, to transition from one scene to the next in any drama, 
but some of them are really good at transitioning to scenes that are kind of polar opposites and it feels right. They can get you from crying to laughing back to crying in like just a few scenes and it's perfectly done. And this one just does not have that skill where we see Guangnam blow up his family and storm out. And then it just goes to a photo shoot with Heijin. And it's just like, there is, I'm trying to deal with the emotions of that beautiful, heartbreaking, awful scene. And then you're just like, don't worry about it. Here's a cute little photo shoot for you. Yeah, here you go. And it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I And I will say that there has not, maybe they'll get me, maybe there will be a turnaround prediction corner. I'm anticipating not crying during this trial. <laughs> Fair. Same. <laughs> and I don't want to cry. We cried a lot during the last drama, so I don't really want to. Yeah, this is kind of our fun brain candy drama. And they're doing it. So here's a few things that they're doing a very, wait, actually, before I present oh, no. the things that I'm <laughs> happy with. There is something I'm going to present. I'm going to just present it, and we can, if we decide we don't want to talk about this, we can cut from when I just cut myself off from presenting the happy things all the way up till we're finished yesing or knowing and discussing or whatever. Um, I do kind of want to talk about, it feels like an elephant in my room. I don't know if everyone else is like, we're not worried about it, Raquel. Stop. Like, please climb down off of your high horse. <laughs> um, please stop being uh, like a... I don't know, solidarity warrior about every little thing. It's crazy how... here. Here's what I'm ready to talk about, finally. I'm ready to present, finally. We're build it's up, crazy. buddies. <laughs> We're build up. <laughs> um, how they have given me the most real and developed with their own storyline, not over the top, not comic relief... Um, gay secondary character, they've given them to us, finally. Like, a built-out, they're not a side story, they're not a tertiary story, they're not a, a background to something. It is fully upfront. He is gay. He's proud to be gay. He's out. He is, uh, my favorite character. I love him. They've given us Guangnam, and then they also are still... Drawing out this weird backstory line where Kong Hae Jin has all these rumors circulating about his sexuality, where we also have to put up with, like, just general homophobia across the industry and across media and across- even they their private conversations are pretty homophobic. At first, I didn't think that they were going to take that turn because uh, Kong Hae Jin didn't seem worried about- the rumors, and I kind of liked that for him. But then he even had moments of, well, isn't it better to be dating someone than to be gay? Uh, as if it is a bad thing to be gay. And I I guess I just want to talk about how I'm it, like, I'm weirdly grateful in some aspects in how they're finally presenting uh, a storyline of a gay person in a more mainstream K-drama. Uh, can't wait until it's the main characters of a mainstream K-drama. But, uh, but, and also there's gay 
starring K-dramas out there. So, like, we need to watch those. If anyone's looking for that representation, uh, like, I am talking about how I am, then, like, let's all go find them because they're out there. It's not even a hard look. Like, I think that there's some really good ones out there, but I guess, like, this is a little bit more, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I know I, exactly what you're trying to say. You're doing a great job. Okay, good. I'm, I I hope so. I, I'm glad to... Yes. I'm just frustrated because it's like they've given us a, a really wonderful secondary character who's gay and not made that a trope at all. That It's just like part of him and then he has his own storyline and his own stuff that he's going through and he rocks. But then they're also still giving us the undercurrents of homophobia and i guess i'm trying to decide if i think that they're trying to like make that a topic that they're going to confront or if they're if there's that acknowledgement that that's still there um or if they are simultaneously being inclusive but still problematic like they're like great we did it we gave we gave them a whole character so we can still be problematic that's kind of where i feel it's landing is like we did our part. We're allies because we have a gay character who's, like you said, he's amazing. And I really enjoy that his story isn't all sunshine and flowers. It's not him just dating around and finding love in the big city. It's not his life being easy. They're having this very realistic expe- er, uh, expression of this person who was supposed to be the prodigal son of his family, the promised one, and has let everybody down. And I'm really excited for the storyline with his family. I hope that he can, you know, find common ground with them and come to an understanding where they do love each other, because I completely understand his sister's feelings. They're a little bit too old to be acting the way they are. Um, It's bizarre. I mean, I... I kind of bullied my brother when I was in high school. I regret that. But, you know, I outgrew it pretty quickly. It's insane that he's like, they bullied me my whole life because I was the baby and I was the most loved by, like, a lot. But then they keep doing it when he's an adult as well. It's like, <laughs> cut that out. But I'm hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hopeful that's an arc and I'm ready to watch that. And it's a weird to then having the same show, this guy who's, like, so disgusted at the idea of being gay. It feels very Strong Girl Dobong soon, like, yeah. a, <laughs> a callback The reason <laughs> that whole show was ruined? Yeah. yeah. That it's, like, I don't know, it, is it that big a deal? And like you said in the first couple episodes, he was like, well, let people think what they think. I'm in love with my cat. That's it. That's the whole story. Um, It doesn't really matter. And even if the people in his life were concerned about it and he wasn't, I think I could deal with it. But it's hard when he gets on board. I think that's that was the tipping point for me. If everyone else had been like, people think you're gay, isn't that terrible? And he was like, uh, not really. Like, it's not, yeah. hasn't affected me yet. I think it's fine. Then it, I think they could have gotten away with that. It could have been something because, yeah, it's 
I I don't know. I haven't researched it, but it feels realistic to be like maybe a lot of people in your life will think it's wrong to be gay, but if we've got enough people out there who are neutral about it, if not allies, if not there's this growing support for people who are gay, like that's what we want to see. I don't know. Now I'm rambling, but it feels like <laughs> let's build the society we want to live in and let's have more and more representation of people on TV who are acting out characters that are like, I either don't, I don't care if people think I'm gay and then have like the judge, have Jiho be like, I deal with like gay people in divorce court all the time. Like, I don't have any opinion on them. Or he's like, I'm at Pride every year, bitches. Like, no, I'm not gay, but I'm a huge ally. Like, I would love that for Jiho. Yeah. Let's just have, like, a spectrum of people. But instead, they're like, no, the spectrum is one gay person and his roommate who loves him to death. And then everyone else is homophobic. And you're like, maybe that's realistic. I don't know. But it's really dark. It's the darkest timeline. Right. It's one of those things where it's like, I get really tired of when we're writing fiction or fantasy especially. But just kind of any fiction where I'm like, all right. You're making up the world, you're making up the rules, so why do the rules still say that women are less than men, gay, being gay is bad? Like, all of these, te- it's like, <laughs> you, you're not making up the rules, you're just playing by the sad, dark shit rules that are real life. Yeah. Like, it's awful. Why can't it you sucks. change the rules in your world so that we can change the rules in ours? Would that not, yeah. is that too much to ask? Yeah. You made a whole show about this? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Come on. Yeah. You're making Korea look really bad in my eyes. Yeah. And I hate that. At least at least freaking K drama Korea is I don't know, like since when are rich people the good guys? And like <laughs> I thought you were on our team, Korea. Come on. K drama Korea. K drama Korea, let's go. Get it together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I, I did think about that. Mostly, yeah, when um, Kang Heijin. I have been saying it right, but my brain keeps saying it's Taejin, not Heijin. Kang Heijin talks to his CEO and his manager at one point, And then for some reason, that's his turning point where he's like, no, I don't like the rumors anymore. And it's yeah, weird. Bad. Weird and bad. I also feel like it's really problematic of him to fully knowing that he's being stalked and that the person who knows where he lives attacked the woman that he has been seen with, with a knife (laughs) and the apparent intent to kill her, said, "Mm, I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to continue to use this same woman who got attacked. Um... I'm not saying it's okay what's happening to him. It's terrible and terrifying that he's being stalked by someone who's violent and willing to hurt people. And that's awful. And he doesn't deserve that. He deserves safety. He deserves to feel safe and he deserves protection. I also don't think it's great to, just to get your mom off your back, uh, endanger the same person who has previously been endangered by this, like, Like, I don't want this to be victim-blaming. He is the victim in this situation, but it's also not okay 
to um, maybe when you're in a dangerous situation, drag other people into the dangerous situation to uh, as like your inconvenience armor, like armor against the inconvenience that is your nosy family. That is so problematic. <laughs> it- I don't care if her face <laughs> is hidden. It doesn't matter to me. It's still problematic. It literally, the the killer knows who she is, and um, that's the issue, my guy. Yep. You lack <laughs> a lot of foresight in this moment. Oh, I don't think I I realized that one. I was too into Jiho's chocolate. <laughs> I was yeah. too smitten. I also was pretty smitten. I really like Jiho as a character. I think they've done a good job of presenting someone who is socially so incapable <laughs> and still likable. Yeah, it's a fine line, but I really enjoy him. And yeah, I don't think I would have realized how how frustrating Hayden is. <laughs> Except this little rant we've been on. Ooh, Hayden, let's get it together. Next couple on, episodes. I don't hate you, but you're walking a fine line. You're doing kind of a bad job so far. Yeah. Ooh, fair. I mean, <laughs> yeah, at least we're on Jung Ji Ho's team. That's good. That's settled. We'll just stay on the main ship. I feel like, like you said, it seems like Heijin is the secondary lead. Mm-hmm. So as long as we keep liking Ji Ho, we'll be fine, right? We're going to enjoy we'll this? We'll be fine. I, yeah, we're for sure going to, I hope, please, please let us continue to enjoy this. I hate the storyline that they're building up of him using her as a fake wife. Like, I know that's the whole storyline, but just that her unwillingly being used as a fake wife by Heijin. I don't know if he asked her about it. She's in a real vulnerable place right now. She just gave up on all of her dreams of leaving the country to bail her emotionally distant at best, abusive at worst, mother, adoptive mother out of jail for, like, she just, she, like, liquidated all of her assets and got her mom out, her adoptive mom out of jail, who sucks. Who sucks. was just trying to go have, like, a meal at a place that calms her and got dragged into this. And maybe at the top of the next episode, they'll be like, no, they talked about it. She agreed to it. That was all just part of a cliffhanger that we were building up. It's fine. She's going to clear it up with Jiho because obviously they have to end up together and be in love. So it's (laughs) going to be fine. But it kind of feels like he just threw some sunglasses on her and marched into the middle of a little press group and was like, we're married now. We're going to get married. We're about to be married. And she was like, I don't love this. I don't, I don't love this. I don't know what's going on. You are literally putting my life in danger. But more importantly, I'm supposed to be in love with your neighbor. And um, you're kind of getting in the middle of that. Obviously, that's more important. Yeah. <laughs> so Come bad. on. Hey, Jin, yeah. another strike already? We haven't even finished the episode. Come on. We want to root for you. Yeah, you don't seem like a bad guy. You seem fairly likable, but you are just running around, really messing things up. <laughs> God, it's like we're watching a K-drama. It's like we're watching a K-drama. It's, yeah, it is a charming little drama. I, for all its flaws, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And this is what I wanted from it. 
I wanted to just get on here and roast it a little bit, like light roast it, because it's so classic K-drama. It's like the perfect amount of very cute and stupid over-the-top clumsy drama. Like, I love that for it. Yes, it is a very easy watch. It is the brain candy we needed after watching 39, mm-hmm. and I I am enjoying it. There were a couple of things that I really liked about um, the these past two episodes. I really enjoy the chemistry between the two leads oh, a lot. So good. Um, I like the misunderstanding moment where she's mad at him and hands him the divorce papers, and he hands her tickets to a concert. That was very and unexpected. So unexpected and so charming. I was also <laughs> bummed on her behalf because she had been so mean to him the night before. And then he gave her concert tickets. And But the, on the flip side of that, I was kind of stoked because I was like, you do deserve to be a little bit miserable after you told him that you like him more when he just doesn't talk because that's what people have told him to the point of him believing it. And I hate that you said that to him. And I hope you regret it. I hope someday you fully regret this moment. Yeah, you need to make it up to him somehow because that is the meanest thing you could have said to that specific person. Yeah, like if she had, if she was mad and offended about what he said, then just say, hey, it really sucks to be told that it's my fault that I was attacked. And I don't think that's the case. I think I should be able to do whatever I want. And then he could have cleared it up and been like, no, it's not your fault. This is the psychology. This is the psychology of people who do this to other people. They think that they're entitled to you. And when they aren't, they get mad and they hurt people. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, like you've said, it's his his issue, His uh, he created the misunderstanding, but it was so frustrating yeah. that that scene was going so well that she was opening up and he was, like, in his expertise, he was guiding her through a very tricky situation, and she was saying, like, keep going, I'm understanding what you're saying, I know other people cut you off at this point and get offended. Not me. I want to hear more. And then he's like, let me tell you more. And she's like, this is the point where I cut you off and get offended. (laughs) And I was like, no, it's this. He goes through the same thing every day. I just want you to be the one that understands that he's saying things in the wrong way. That he just speaks in a different way. I want you to be the one that understands that. And I... I hated that she couldn't be, that she was for yes. a second, and then she wasn't anymore. Yep. And I loved her analogy of saying, it's just that the door's broken, the room is great, it's just that the part that opens is doing a really bad job. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought that was a great analogy for how he's a great person who, when he says things, it comes out in a way that other people don't respond well to. Uh, but there's nothing about what he's actually saying that is malicious or or wrong. It's just the way he presents it. Uh, And there's no bad intentions. And yeah, so I agree. I wanted that to be more of a look at what they can be for each other that no one else has ever been for him at the very least. And 
he was always special for her, so how cool is that? Yeah. And instead, they gave us a misunderstanding, Ugh. and she said a terrible thing, and so I wanted her to be sad. Yeah. And they keep giving us misunderstandings, which is like, like you said, they've written such a clever character in Jiho, where it's easy to misunderstand everything he says. I think it's just frustrating that it's not been easy for her to be the one to be like, yeah, I see how other people can misunderstand that, but I get it. Like, yeah. you just want that because she's Miss Perfect. She's everything for everyone. And you want it to be easy. You want their relationship to be easy. But I get it. There's going to be an arc, right? They're going to make it in the end. She's going to have to break through the door and understand him after some difficulties. But like, why? Oh, it's so hard to watch. I just want I just want them to be easy together. That would be very cute. But yeah. I've I freaking love. I freaking love his boss. He's maybe maybe my favorite character. I love Guangnam, but I think I love his boss more. I don't know. Just the like so Sumi is killing me. That is so good for judges to say to each <laughs> other, look each other in the eye and be like Oh, you don't like how this is shaking out? Sue me. Do it, <laughs> coward. <laughs> I'll see you in court. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, that dude rocks. He also totally get where he's coming from, that he got really expensive tickets for the whole team, and apparently only two of them got used so that Jiho could take his wife on a date. That does look pretty rough. That, that is looks bad. Yeah, big yikes. <laughs> How about the team already left? Uh-huh. The, they left. They're gone. They're not in the bathroom. They're gone. They they had a great time and they went home. No, because he'd ask them the next day. That's he'd be like, true. I'm he a normal person that. who talks to people. How's it going, guys? How's the concert? I'm a terrible liar, so that's actually such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, yeah, it's just... It's that was a very cute like K drama misunderstanding moment that turns into the two leads having to act like a couple. I just love it. I'm into it. Yep, that's what we wanted from. That is so specifically what we wanted from this <laughs> show. That is, if someone said describe the scene you want from this, <laughs> I would have described that scene. That would have been it. I don't have to watch anymore. We've peaked. <laughs> Oh, because that was good. And we're getting more of it. We're getting more and more of it. We've got yeah. the team dinner coming up at Jiho's house that we know Sangin is coming to, right? Absolutely. I feel like we should do, um, like, uh, classic trope bingo cards. <laughs> it's a little late because we've already started and there's been a couple, like, pretend to be co-workers at a work function or I don't know or pretend to be married at a work function or whatever but I feel like maybe we can get like sharing a bed before they're a couple on that you know like sharing a room sharing a bed you know just those classic yeah. what you love to see in these very um in these very I keep using the word classic, it's starting to lose meaning, but in these classic K-dramas with all that do kind of pull out all of the tropes, but have a good time doing it and tell like a fun, sweet story. Yeah, like a textbook K-drama bingo card. 
It's, yeah. Because we got, we got them falling on top of each other. Cute. Yep. Perfect. We so got, cute. I wrote this one in my notes. I didn't talk about it last week because it's dumb. It's just like a little fan service moment that there's almost always a male lead shower scene. This drama had it like 40 seconds into the first episode. You might not even remember it because it was so fast into the drama. But she goes to his house for dinner and then he starts showering before she leaves. So she just kind of walks out and is like, all right, see you Wednesday. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty that quick. Was, it was so quick. It was right at the top. They yeah. didn't even hesitate. They said, all right, let's get this one out of the way. We won't even name this man before we strip him down. Here you go. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. That's classic K-drama stuff. We love to see it. But, um... Put a little respect on his name first, please, next time. Please, thanks. Thanks. I can't think of any other ones, but you know the ones. Yeah. Yeah, there, and there will be stuff like, um, I don't know, maybe like the, like the, someone convinces them they need to kiss, you know? Like, oh, cute. I don't know what it is. Yeah, very cute. Um, we've already got the, like, fake marriage. That's the whole thing. That's, like, the actual, like, that's, that's the, the center of the bingo card. <laughs> Instead of, like, it saying free in the center, it says, like, fake marriage. Yeah. This one. <laughs> oh, I had a good one, but I forgot it. I think, oh, it's just cohabitation. But I feel um, like this one's like gray area where they're kind of living together, but not really. Yeah, living together. Uh, yeah, because they're not quite there, but they it could happen. And then we could officially fill out the bingo card. Here we go. That one's my favorite trope. And a damsel in distress. We got that one. That one we was- We did. Oh. Yeah. She was even about to kick ass by herself, which oh is my, my favorite. Oh, it was going to be so cool. And then they dumped water on her head and she was like, wait, I have childhood trauma about that. And it all went to hell. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Come on. No childhood trauma. Just beat him up with your high heels. This is going to be crazy. Yeah. You had a literal dream about this. <laughs> but also, Heijin kicked that guy like 15 feet. That was yeah. the craziest kick I've ever seen. I mean, kudos to Heijin for all of the crap <laughs> we've given him. He's got he's got kicks. He's got kicks. <laughs> oh, that was weird. <laughs> uh, and of course, I wanted it to be Jiho that saved her. It's fine that it wasn't, but like, what's the? Point? I guess it happened in the dream, so we've got to just survive off of that. <laughs> we've got to keep going off of that. <gasps> toxic mom that's on the bingo card yep it feels and like it's is. also free space though all of them yeah all of the mom there isn't an untoxic mom in this show yeah we have i feel like the cutest mom in the world is also another like bingo card space yeah. this one is not this one does not it's have not that. gonna happen yeah maybe guangnam's mom will come through she was pretty quiet in the scene where everybody else was hitting it. Oh, then she got up. No, she got up. Yeah, and she was like, she, we hate this. Yeah. Yeah, she immediately said something about, like, how he was ruining her life or something. Okay, never mind. Every mom is toxic. Yep. There is not an untoxic mom in sight in this K-drama. Where are the cute moms? There's five of them who are in every drama. We just need one of you. Please. Just give us one sweet mom. Can That's it, literally all we're asking for. Can the for. sweet mom be the mom of Guangnam's future boyfriend? 
That would be very cute. <gasps> oh my god. That's what I want. That's what they need. <laughs> I, if they give us that, we all win bing- bingo. We all win it. <laughs> we all That's win. bingo. That's bingo right there. I don't know how the game works, but we've won if we get a cute mom out of Guangnam's future boyfriend. Come on. Now it's all I want. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> nothing, will, nothing will ever live up to it. <laughs> I guess we have to stop watching the drama now. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to either. It's been a lot of fun. It's, it's a pretty compelling so much watch. Fun. I feel like this would be a bingeable one if we had yeah. the time in our lives. I would binge this one for sure. I would also binge this one. Well, dang, now I want to go watch more of it. I feel like once a day I think of it and I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. And I yeah, don't really have the reason to. <laughs> but It's easy to turn on in a way that has not... So even the ones that we've watched recently that I've loved that probably, like, knocked someone else out of the top ten or five spot even, like, Little Women was kind of that for mm-hmm. me. And even that wasn't as easy to turn on as this. As, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if this will make it on, you know, like, the favorites list, but it's such an easy watch where y- my brain has been so tired lately. I've been so bummed. And it's so fun to turn this show on and just hang out with it. Yeah. I think we have, like, a favorites favorites list, our top ten kind of perfect dramas, and then we also have, like, a secret favorites list that's, like, kind of like you said, classic textbook, silly, lighthearted, brain candy dramas. That's just, like, if you like romance novels and you want to get into K-dramas, ask us for our secret list. Because uh, <laughs> this this would be on that. This is on this that is list. So on that. It's cute and it's silly, but it's, like, eye-rolling weird sometimes. And that's yeah. the vibe. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Now I'm trying to make the list. Her Private Life. Oh My yep. Venus. Which, yeah, yes, 100%. Those two are absolutely on it. Like, the first, like, I can't remember how many episodes are in Her Private Life, but it's, like, the last two or three don't count. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it, yes. The rest of it, yes. Maybe W would be on that list. Yeah, W would be on the list. It's tough because I feel like I remember our last watch through of W was like a little I didn't bit torturous. It. <laughs> yeah, it felt like torture. But when I first watched through it and it was teaching me about K dramas, I was like, "How fun!" Yeah, I think it's we just watched it too many times. Oh no! Now the list is getting too long. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll actually write it down so that if anyone wants our list of cutesy K-dramas, it'll be 10. I'll chop it up so it'll just yeah. be top 10. Yeah, I'll I'll text you a couple to help with the list. Thank you. Yeah, have you- we'll probably have some crossovers anyway. Oh, yeah. Have you seen Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bak-ju? I have not. I've heard really good things about it. Is it on the list? It's on my list. And maybe we should just watch that after this. Maybe this should be our year of easy dramas. We're not going to watch anything cool, anything epic, nothing that pushes boundaries. (laughs) Don't make us feel. If it has a strong storyline, don't send it to us. (laughs) Don't add us with your Vincenzo, your Reborn Rich, your freaking Hospital Playlist 3. We're not going to do it. We can't do it. What we need is your basics. 
we are basics. This is our basic year, okay? Basic oh, year that would basics. be fun. We'll think about it. Okay, okay, yeah. we'll let our <laughs> listeners go. <laughs> We've trapped you here long enough. Yeah, okay. okay. Housekeeping. If you want to email us your secret list, or if you want us to email you our secret list, let us know at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find our website, it's playonk.com, and we have all of our episodes there. You can sign up for our newsletter that we send out every time we start a new drama. You can find links to our affiliates, which is awesome stuff that you can get that will get a cut of whatever they get, so you're not, like, paying us directly or anything. But if you want to start your own podcast, you can do it through our link. We use Blueberry Podcast Hosting, and it is awesome. Highly recommend. If you want to upskill, maybe take a podcasting course. I don't know if they have those, but that's just in line with the last thing I said. You can go to Skillshare.com through our link. And you can also get NordVPN so you can access K-dramas that might not be licensed to your region. But, you know, go through our link, but don't say we sent you for the K-dramas. We don't know if that's actually legal, but it's probably fine. Anyways, all that and more at playonk.com. Yeah, we have, uh, we have our Patreon which is linked on the website that Emily just said, but we also, you can go to it directly at patreon.com slash playonk. We've been doing some more stuff on there. It's, It's getting fun again for the first time. But most importantly, whatever you put down there at the Patreon is kind of what helps us keep the lights on here. It, uh, it, it really helps us out. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who is subscribed to our Patreon. It means the world to us. Um, it does. We are also on Instagram at Play on K Podcast. We're on Twitter at Play on K. And we are on TikTok at Play on K underscore Emily. And if you stop by any of those places, just give us a hey. We'd love to see ya. Yeah. And then I always also like to toss out the freest, we t- freest way to support the podcast. Um... Just because, like, yeah, we don't all have $5 or whatever to give to Patreon, but if you have, like, five minutes to rate, review, and subscribe us wherever you listen to our podcast, it really helps us out. It helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you next week with episodes five and six of Love and Contract. K-bye! K-bye! Bye-bye!